Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Today's episode comes from Ruby Receptionists. Ruby's live remote receptionists and proprietary technology are your solution to delivering excellent customer service experiences by answering live calls in English or Spanish, transferring calls, taking messages, addressing common questions, or making outbound calls for you. Most importantly, they sound like they're sitting in your office. To learn more, visit callruby.com or better yet, call us at 855-255-RUBY. My guest today is Tracy Dalin. Tracy has been the owner and president of Iron River Construction since its inception in 2000. She's a mother of five and chair of the Contractors Association of Minnesota. She has handled all aspects of the business from design and site preparation to subcontractor bidding, selection and scheduling. Welcome, Tracy. Good morning. Already intrigued by the fact that we have a woman-owned construction company. Uh, how did all that get started? Um, it started in 2000. Uh, my husband and myself had uh, started a construction company after his previous employer was a partnership that had dissolved. And we had four small children and we thought at the time, and we thought, hey, this sounds like a great idea. Uh, so we had uh, started as an interior finish carpentry company, uh, providing labor. We had about 15 to 20 carpenters at any given time. And then in 05, 06, we did a lot of insurance restoration as well. well. And at that point, we decided to become a uh, full-fledged remodeling company. And what were you doing just prior to starting the business? Uh, Anything besides everything that goes into being a mom? I was uh, a carpenter and a mom at the same time. Both my husband and I had made a commitment um, to make sure that one of us was always around for the children. And, and besides, who can afford you know five, daycare for five kids? They, that would just be incredibly impossible. So we always made a commitment to do that, whether and we did both all aspects of the business at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Try to make sure it works. So it gave us a lot of flexibility. It was a lot of hard work, but it gave us a lot of flexibility as well. Now, uh, talk about just the sort of the demographics of the business. I know you're based in Minnesota. How many employees you have? Uh, what kind of top line revenue are you guys doing? So we try to have a managed growth approach. And last year we did a little over $4 million, um, which is pretty sizable in my industry. We have uh, 18 employees. Uh, statistically, when I hear uh, people in my industry, I think it's about 92, 93% of remodeling contractors do less than a million. And I think maybe only a couple percent after that do more than 2 million. So it's, I don't think of it as that much of a big, huge monstrosity company, but statistically it's, you know, a lot of guys are just, they have a truck and they have some tools and that's what they do. They create a job for themselves. Now is your work mostly residential? It is about 85% residential and about 15% commercial. Yeah, that's pretty sizable to have even that many employees because obviously you work with a lot of subcontractors as well. 
Correct. Uh, we do about 175 to 200 jobs a year. We do have in-house carpenters, uh, which I think kind of sets us apart on the restoration. A lot of times that is sub subcontractors on the remodeling side. But for us, it, it gives us a lot of stability and gives us a lot of skill and a lot of depth. So as you think about your, your company today in this industry, there's a ton of competition, obviously. You've built a really successful company. What kind of sets you guys apart uh, from a cultural standpoint? I think because we had our start as real high-end finishers, we came into the restoration and the remodeling where it's a little lower clientele and a little bit less complicated skill set, less complicated craftsmanship that's necessary. You don't need the same skill set to build a spiral staircase as you do to put on a roof. Those are two. And so when we came from a real high-end perspective, it not only was the quality level, but it was also the customer service level as well. Mm. So that you brought that with you as you expanded. Correct. Um, all right. So let me take you back because uh, to lead a company like this is obviously skills that you learned along the way. Um, but uh, what were your early influences? You know, talk about your folks a little bit. I know you you were influenced uh, tremendously by your dad and his own work ethic. Correct. So my dad had uh, grew up on a farm in northern Wisconsin and was in the Air Force for about a dozen years. And then was a engineer for 3M um, for uh, 30 years. And so he's one of the few people that I've ever met that can tear apart a transmission on a car and put it back together or build a deck or, you know, he helped design the barcode printers way back when. There was a time before we had barcodes and uh, he was uh, part of that whole um, conglomeration of engineers. And so he really, I was an only child. And I think that a lot of his passion and questioning, he would read tech manuals. He wouldn't read fiction or nonfiction. He mm -hmm. wouldn't read tech manuals. And so I think a lot of that, that ability to look at problems, the problem solving, the, uh, the confidence to be able, well, of course we can figure this out and learn how to do this. You know, it's, it's not that complicated. I think that was really helpful. And I think that I was always attracted to physically working, whether it was landscaping when I was young or carpentry or anything of that nature. There's a certain sense of satisfaction that you get when you physically work. Oh, yeah. No question. Um, you know, it sounds like uh, you said it's pretty rare to have people like that that know how to just technically right. put things together, take things apart, read a manual, have the patience to do that. My older brother was just like that and they're just born with it. And, uh, uh, you know, I always kind of envied that, that talent. So, uh, that's a great early influence for you. Uh, how about kind of early jobs? Uh, any early jobs that, that had an impact on your, uh, not only work, but, uh, sort of developing this leadership potential that you needed to own your own business. Um, I think that when I was 18, I worked for a greenhouse uh, seasonally for about five years, six years. And from things just make sense. You can walk into a situation and go, hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do this. And so I was put in a managerial position um, right away. And um, it wasn't brain surgery, but it gave me a lot of experience at a young age on how to manage, you know, 20 people that were older than myself. 
and had differently, different uh, perspectives. And additionally, it wasn't necessarily a, um, no one chooses that as a career. Mm-hmm. It is a seasonal job. And I think that it, it gave me a lot of perspective on how to manage people and what not to do. I mean, one of the problems that a lot of people I think in my position have is that things seem very self-evident on what you should do. Well, it's not self-evident to everybody. And trying to tone that down a little bit has taken me probably about 30 years. <laughs> um, and becoming and beca- becoming a little bit more cognizant of other people and how they want to think about things and how they want to do things. So I'm still a work in progress. So dig into that a little bit. Give me an example where your uh, where that issue may come up. It is difficult for me sometimes to understand that there's emotional baggage that goes with very rational decisions in my mind. It's like, well, of course we would have Bob do this job because Bob is the best guy to do and he's got the best experience. And this is, this is the perfect solution to this problem. Whereas somebody would say, well, geez, I should have been able to do that because I've been here longer or I've, you know, done this or I've done that. And in my mind, it's just like, yeah, but Bob's a better guy, obviously, you know, so that doesn't make that that can not be as uh, gently put across as I've learned slowly but surely to do. And is that is it part of the learning how to communicate that? It's probably part of also you having the patience to realize that there's it's not as simple as that. And there's there's people's emotions and other things involved that go into those decisions and making, uh, uh, getting people through that process is really part of your job. Correct. And being cognizant of it. One of the, one of my, I would say my personal issues is I'm not necessarily cognizant of, I'm kind of the bull in the China shop sometimes. Um, I, I, I don't do it from an evil standpoint or a manipulative standpoint or anything like that. I just, I don't see it. Because it seems like, well, this is a logical answer. Of course we would do this. Um, so, But I have had enough feedback through the years that that's not always the best way to go about it. Yeah, I, I heard you were uh, a rumored occasional pain in the ass. So uh, <laughs> that, that's the kind of feedback uh, you've been given. So where, you know, where do you think uh, that came from. I know, you know, partly you say, well, the, the answer seems simple. So I'm just going to communicate the logical approach to that. Um, did it have anything to do with your feeling like, you know, I need to be this way in order for people to trust and respect me to get things done. You had to either push harder or was it something that, like you said, was a little bit unconscious? Um, I think there's a multitude of, of different things. Like I said, I was an only child, so I didn't get a lot of interaction with other kids my same age that were, you know, how to negotiate, how to change things, how to how to work things out. Um, so I think that was a little bit. Um, I think naturally I'm a little tone deaf to it as well. I'm not a, if you're a Myers Briggs fans, I'm an INTJ all day long. Um, <laughs> I think I think my picture's next to that. So. But I, but I have through the years come to, and, and, and a little bit of in my industry, I have to be able to establish that I know what I'm doing, um, that I have the experience and everything else because everybody naturally assumes I'm the wife or the secretary. And I, and I don't blame it. I mean, I do the same thing. If I walk into a conference or if I walk into a room and there's a woman sitting there, a lot of times I will make that assumption as well. 
Um, things are slowly changing, but I've been doing this a long time. And, um, so I, I, I can't get grumpy about it, but I think that once, once I established pretty quickly that, nope, I know what I'm doing. Yep. We're good. Um, that, that tends to even out pretty well. And so what kind of tools have you used to have people really understand or earn that trust uh, from your employees? And whether you're a man or a woman, uh, in this case, doesn't matter from the standpoint of, you know, if, I, if I'm more of a command and control leader or um, I am that bull in a china shop, it's sometimes really hard to uh, get people to trust you. So how have you been able to earn that trust over the years? So I think you're talking about a couple of different things. From an employee standpoint, um, I try to give them a heads up and say, listen, don't take things personally. If you have an issue, come to me. I can't read your mind for sure. Um, and I think that the trust from the employees is because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm doing it in the right way. And whether it's an ethical, moral or physical or whatever those things are, that I make the right decision, that I don't make short-sighted decisions Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the populace at large, um, I think homeowners don't have a problem with that very often. I, uh, I think sometimes other contractors, I have gotten into arguments with other contractors that insist that it cannot be me that leads the company, that there's just no way. <laughs> it must be my dad. My, my father's been passed away for a while, but it either has to be my dad or my husband or a brother or somebody. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Um, but those are those are very very few and far between. Yeah, um, but I can see that. I mean, I I think I probably would react the same way, and you know, had a chance to build a, the home that we live in today too. And yeah, it seems to very kind of male dominated uh, world, and and those assumptions are out there. Like you said, things are changing, and uh, and that's good. But I can definitely see how you've had to balance all of those in terms of um, leading not only from the client side, but from the employee side as well. Um, As in those early years, uh, did you have any kind of unexpected learning, maybe from an unexpected source? Um, That's a good question. Um, I'm going to jump back to the employee bit. It's interesting. uh, All the employees that work for me are male with the exception of one who's my office manager. And it's interesting, um, I've seen this phenomenon a couple times that I will hire somebody and they will come in. And for that first week or two, they don't, you can see that they're not really quite sure on how to deal with me. Am I their wife? Am I their girlfriend? Am I their mom? And it takes a little bit, it's not long, but you can see that they're kind of going through like, how do I relate to this woman? And then it just ends up like, oh, nope, she's my boss. And here we go. Um, but I've seen a, I've seen a transition more than once, and it's just tough. it's interesting to watch. It really is. So, uh, is your husband still involved in the business? No, he is not. He has not been involved since about 2010. Oh, okay. Uh, can you share what happened there? Or, or uh... Uh, it's really hard for a uh, traditionally brought up male to have his wife be the driving force and the more successful, uh, we became the harder it became for him. Um, and I understand it. I really do. I'm, I'm not unsympathetic. I understand it. Um, but at the same point, he just really couldn't get over it. Mm. 
And he came, his father was very successful, very, very successful, actually, and very, um, in fact, he said more than once that he thinks he married his father. So um, at some level, so it, it was difficult for him to get over that. So what was it like um, when he left the business and, and making that transition and again, kind of uh, bringing your employees along during that time? I think that um, I, because he wasn't doing what he needed to do, I think that it was actually kind of a, a sigh of relief and a respect for me for being able to put the good of the company over the relationship, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because the driving force is to make sure that the company does what it needs to do. And if I had an employee that wasn't doing what they were supposed to do, you know, I would, I would make an effort to either improve them or try or get rid of them. And so that, that's what I did. So in terms of managing the company today and uh, developing uh, your culture, uh, how do you incorporate uh, purpose, values, those kinds of things into your day-to-day work? I think one of the things I've learned through the years is the best, the best way to improve your culture is to improve your personnel. And so we have a really stringent hiring process. Um, we go through multiple interviews with multiple key managers. We do personality testing. We do, you know, obviously all the background checks and everything else. And, uh, we really make a, a conscious decision on who we bring into the company. Um, I think that helps a lot. I think that we have weekly staff meetings where we go through every job that we have in production that's open right now. We talk about, you know, what was a professional act that you saw this week, whether it was one of the employees, whether it was a subcontractor, whether it was one of our trade partners, whatever it was, you know, what did we see out in the field this week that was really professionally run? Um, We go through reviews. We go through those. And um, even though we have multiple, we have three divisions here at Iron River, we work on a more collaborative and cooperative basis than a competitive basis. And maybe that's the female part. I'm not quite sure. Um, But our goal, we're all pulling, you know, we're all rowing this ship in the same direction. So I find it very counterproductive to be infighting within the divisions. Well, that's uh, really hard to do when you have different divisions in a company like that. The natural tendency is to get siloed and kind of compete. Uh, so have you, I know transparency is a big thing for you too. How have you been able to uh, get over that and, and have everybody rowing in the same direction? Well, I think our office space, everyone has their own private space, but it is somewhat of an open concept and it's not a large space. So all of us are housed here and in and out at any given time. My door is always open. There really are no doors that are shut. Um, We only have a couple doors in the whole thing, actually. And so I think that helps. I think being very transparent, we are open books, uh, so anybody can see where we're at. Um, We talk about profitability. We have, you know, monthly I have a monthly checkup with all the employees where we kind of go through just a real low key, casual, you know, half an hour to an hour thing. Okay. How are your jobs going? What are you doing? What are some of the problems that you've had? But I think that overall, again, we're all rowing in the same direction and, um, there's competition, make no mistake. I mean, I am a very competitive person and I've got competitive people working for me, but 
sometimes it feels, and, and one of my mantras is, we have to fight everybody out there. We have to fight inspectors or homeowners or suppliers or, you know, or just the physical fighting itself of the job and the construction of the job, that there's no reason that we should fight each other. Um, and I think that's really key um, to understand that, where sometimes so many people are so uh, self-absorbed that they can't give that up. <clears throat> that it's more about how I'm working for me personally, as opposed to how is the company doing and how's the division doing and how are we doing it together? Yeah, that that's for sure. Um, you talk about the effort you put into hiring the right people and uh, making it tough to get in the door. But uh, as we all know, we're, we never bat a thousand percent. So uh, what about, a humbling decision or, or really challenging decision that you've had to make uh, along the way? I think that um, for me, as as far as personnel or in general? Well, anything that comes to mind. Um, I think personnel, I would like to have a few more women. I think women make great project manager. And I think women make great construction salesmen. And they're just not walking in the door. They're just, it's an anomaly. They're just not walking through the door, which I think is a little bit unfortunate because there's a lot that women can bring to the table in dealing with customers and dealing with projects and just organizational skills, et cetera. Um, so I think that's a little bit unfortunate. I think that I've had to, one of the things I've noticed is small business owners have a tendency to hold on to employees longer than they should um, because it is a little bit more of an interpersonal relationship and everything else. Um, I'm getting better at that. If it's not a good fit, I'll know pretty quick. Um, but it's always, it's always disheartening when you have to let somebody go because it's disheartening for you because you obviously had hopes and aspirations for them. And it's obviously disappointing for them because they had hopes and aspirations for the job. Yeah, that's for sure. It's, it is one of the toughest things to do and takes a lot of courage to be able to do that. And yet, you know, in your gut at some point that this person's probably not right for the organization. Uh, and sometimes when we finally make that move, everybody else is looking at you and saying, you know, what took you so long? Uh, <laughs> I've had that more than once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's just an ongoing, um, learning process. So, um, Tracy, as you think about your own leadership and you've done a tremendous, uh, uh, job, uh, so far and, and there's, I'm sure plenty more to go. Uh, what do you think you still need to improve upon as a leader? I think I can improve on my, my follow through. So one of the things that I suffer from, if someone says to me, Hey, can you get this done? I'm like, okay, I'll get, yes, I can, or no, I can't. And if I say, yes, I can, then I go and I get it done and everything else. And so to me, I don't really need to have as much follow through. Well, not everybody works like that. And so there's a lot of times where you have to do the follow through, um, and, and so that's probably one of my weak points. The other thing is that, well, there's a couple of things. Um, one of them is that my employees have a lot of autonomy. And that's a really good fit for some people. And that's where we talked about culture and making sure that we're hiring the right, the right people. Some people really like that autonomy, and some really can't work under that autonomy. Um, 
so I would say that that's, that's something that I can work on a little bit better. And, um, the, uh, I have a problem with authority, which I probably would suspect is probably pretty high with a lot of entrepreneurs or a lot of business owners. And so I don't like it when we have to add another line to the employee manual because of something that happened. It's like, come on guys, I don't want more rules. Come on. Mm. So that's, that's one thing, um, that I would give HR, uh, nightmares <laughs> in, in many ways. And so what is the, what does the future hold for, for the company, Tracy, and, and for you, uh, you know, if you're looking five years down the road, uh, what are, what are we seeing in terms of, uh, the company? Well, I would anticipate uh, more strong managed growth. Um, we are trying to uh, diversify a little bit just because, you know, we went through one really bad economic downturn in construction. And we survived and we did well and we got larger and, and we, you know, we really dug in. But we, I didn't have as many employees then. I didn't have a large operation at that point. <clears throat> so trying to make sure that that we are keeping the company viable and looking forward and, and strategizing, how are we going to do that? And one of the things that we are working on is technology and utilizing technology in what we do on an everyday basis. And the construction field in general has been one of the slowest adopters of any kind of technology. And so that's, that's always interesting. So what kind of innovation is happening or available in the industry today? Um, the industry is doing better on, uh, project management. There's some really good programs out there now. It is doing better on customer management. Um, I think that that's going much better as well. But when we talk about, you know, really the innovation is, I think from supply, I think from, you know, eliminating salesmen, eliminating, I mean, there's a lot of, um, areas that can have room for improvement and efficiencies. Mm -hmm. I think you'll see more. We don't really deal with it because we don't do new construction, but I think that um, pre-assembled houses, uh, everything where you can get your custom home and it's all panelized, it's it's built and assembled at a plant and driven out to your house. I think we're going to see continuation of that. What I do is in remodeling is it's a, it's every project is a one-off. So it's a little bit different. But I think that utilizing that, but it's, it's very ripe for disruption. There's no question. Mm. Now, uh, you've obviously had this, uh, this path where you've just kind of gone forward, I think, very matter-of-factly with great influences from uh, your childhood, taken on this business and, and grown it quite successfully over these years. As, uh, if you were talking to a, a younger person thinking about uh, entering the industry or saying, Tracy, I want to be like you one day, what kind of advice would you give them? Uh, I would give them the, the construction industry is a great industry. Uh, right now, there's such a labor shortage. It is a great opportunity and a great career. I think it's one of the careers where not only can make a decent living, but you also have the opportunity to work for yourself. If you wanted to do that, I would say get your hands dirty, know how to physically work. I don't think that going and getting a degree in construction management, yep, there's a lot of really, really key things that you need to learn, but you also need how to, how do things work? How do they fit together? How do you push through 
you just can't quit. I mean, I can't, if that wall, if that roof needs to be put on today, it needs to be put on no matter what you feel like or how you feel or if this happened or whatever, because it has to be dried in because it's going to rain tomorrow. So having that kind of work ethic, I think is good. Um, ask questions, ask everybody questions and, and really do the right things for the right reasons and you'll be fine. Now, what was your education like? Did you go to college or get, uh, I did, sorry, I did go to college to become a psychologist, um, which I'm so happy that did not work. <laughs> so happy I would have been the worst psychologist ever. <laughs> I have no patience for people with problems over and over again. It would have been a really bad fit. Um, so I went to college for a couple years, and that just wasn't a really good fit. And um, But I'd always liked being outside, always liked working, always liked um, physically creating stuff and figuring things out. Um, so, and I think that's one of the disservices that our education system is doing in general is for so many people, it's like they have to go to college, they have to go to college, they have to go to college. And you do, um, I think. And since, you know, I've done this, I've also taken classes as an adult and, you know, up to a couple years ago, because you always need to keep learning, but, you don't have to necessarily get a four-year liberal arts degree to be successful. And a lot of people are not designed, they're not mentally and physically designed for those kind of jobs. They need to create, they need to build, they need to have that physical labor. And that's really what a lot of us are designed to do. And I think it's unfortunate, and I, I certainly hope that it's going to swing back. I know in Minnesota we're working on a couple different programs. We have a Iron River has an apprentice program ourselves to help those kids say, no, this is a viable alternative. This is a great career. You don't have to worry about being outsourced. You don't have to worry about a lot of different things that people in other industries do. Um, and that for the foreseeable future, for a very long time, um, I anticipate that there will, will be a labor shortage um, when it comes to the trades, and it, it definitely is a uh, it's a great career. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're exactly right. And I had that experience again. My brother, who I was referring to, and I started my business with, uh, never went to college, and it was just the smartest, most intelligent, talented person, far more talented than than me, who went through the traditional, you know, four year college and law school and all those things. And and I'll tell you, you know, uh, my my wife as well, you know, went to college for a while, never finished, and. When it comes to anything uh, around our house, she's the one that's going to figure it out. She's the one that's going to fix it, you know, and right. uh, and has the patience to just kind of go through that step by step of figuring stuff out. And I I just don't have that skill. So you know, we're all wired differently, and I and I think it's um, it's crazy to think that there's a certain path that you have to take. And you know, if, when you found that through your upbringing, you enjoyed. Uh, working, working outside, being creative, doing things with your hands, whatever it was, and you were able to end up in a career uh, that allowed you to take advantage of that and grow your own potential, then all power to you. And I think that's 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 great. And I, I do think we agree we put so much pressure on people. And I, and I see that in young people, too, who feel the pressure themselves uh, at a very young age. Like, I have to have my direction. I have to know what my passion is. And and I think it's unfortunate. I try to just tell them, you know, let it come to you and it, and it will over some period of time. 
Correct. And I think also uh, on the flip side of it, you can have somebody say, well, I don't I don't like school. and I'd rather work with my hands or be a mechanic or whatever that is. But in this day and age, it's not enough to be a really good plumber. You have to have so many more talents and so many more skills to be successful business owner. So um, four of my four of my five kids are in college or have either graduated in college or are presently in college. And I really want them to, but they also have the skills. They've also all worked for me. Um, And I think that that gives them a much more well-rounded aspect. And I would love for eventually one or all of them to come back into the company, but I want them to bring back stuff. I want them to go work for other people. I want them to go experience stuff and live in different places and bring all that back as opposed to just keeping them under my thumb and here and under this. I want them to learn and bring that all back. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that's just so important to me. That's what college is about or work experience. It's just experience. I look back at my own college days. I was a history major. You know, what does that have to do with, uh, you know, the healthcare industry that I got into or the culture work that I became passionate about. And, um, but it's all just experience and it's relationships we build. Um, I went straight to graduate school and then, you know, uh, started working right away. So I think the idea that people can go out and have varied experiences, take their time, bring those things back. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you'd be really proud if uh, one or more of your kids ended up back in the business with you. It would be cool, but again, it's what's the best for the company. So if somebody's like, hey, I haven't really accomplished much and I'm not sure what I'm going to do, maybe I'll just wander back and, <laughs> and try to take it. That's not going to work. That's, that's <laughs> not going to work. I wouldn't put up with it. The employees wouldn't put up with it. Um, but I, I, I think that um, I, I think education is very valuable in, in whatever form it takes, whether it's a two-year college or a four-year college or maybe it's just a couple occasional night classes for accounting or whatever it is to make you a little bit more successful. I think continuous learning is always important and uh, having the confidence to, the only way you actually develop confidence is by doing things and failing at things and not having it happen the way you want it to. Um, but also succeeding and saying, Oh, I am capable. And, and that's how you build confidence. And, and I think that's really important that I see a lack of sometimes with the younger generation, they just haven't enough sp- experience and enough varied experiences to go, well, I've never done this before, but I bet you I can do this too. That's right. Well, you sound like a very confident leader and have learned a lot along the way and you continue to learn. And that's part of what good leadership is about is being humble along the way and realizing, like you said, we don't know what we don't know. Um, let me, let me end Tracy with these uh, five quick hit questions, kind of the association game. Maybe just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Can you name a leader that you look up to? I would say my father-in-law, um, a great, he's since passed away, but, uh, very salt to the earth, no nonsense, um, really intelligent, um, really, really great man. Oh, wonderful. How about a great book that influenced your leadership style? Oh, Lord of the flies. No, I don't. (laughs) 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 Um, as far as leadership style, um, I would say it was, I read a lot, but not particularly uh, that kind. I I would rather learn those kind of things from individuals. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Do you have an all-time favorite movie? 
Um, yeah, it's called uh, Snatch. There's Brad Pitt and um, oh, a whole bunch of other really famous people that I am terrible at movies. But it's a kind of a modern day Sting by Paul Newman. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's more like that. Yeah, I remember that movie. Uh, how about uh, a favorite TV series to binge watch? Uh, news radio. Oh, okay. And lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? I am left-handed. Oh, they don't know that? Well, the right-handed people never pay attention. All the left-handed people know. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny they notice. Um, well, you, you have a great story, Tracy, and, and I know there's more to come. I want to share some of the uh, things that I learned from talking to you today. Um, and I just love the, you know, your early example with your dad, uh, and just you watching him and how he grew up and just his intelligence, how he could build and take things apart, how, uh, he, uh, it gave you confidence to be able to, to do the same thing. Um, and this idea that he brought to you too, that, you know, we can figure this out. There's a way to figure this out, that there's kind of a solution to everything. Uh, you know, your early position as a manager in that seasonal job that gave you your first taste of what it was like to to manage people. And I think that, you know, something you still even deal with today, which is uh, hard for all of us that, especially leaders, sometimes we think we know the answer, we're confident, we just, it's rational, hey, this is the answer, the, the result and what we should be doing. And to realize that there's emotions that go along with that. And there's people who have different feelings about every situation and you got to step back and be patient with that um, and uh, take people along the way, uh, listen to them uh, to get to those what even might be the same decisions or involve them. Um, and it's not as easy as just saying this is what we do next. And um, I think you're very self-aware to so to say, you know, I'm a self profess bull in a china shop sometimes that you've gotten enough feedback over the years but the fact is you've listened to that feedback and you've balanced your confidence in knowing what to do with the uh, the fact is you're not doing this alone and you need uh, other people around you to be successful uh, I, I love the culture that you built uh, in in your industry which maybe is not typical in the construction industry as much as just building a very transparent culture, working extremely hard to find the right people, uh, to put a multi multiple interviews, do those Myers-Briggs and whatever you need to do to try to give yourself the best opportunity to succeed and, and to realize that um, as much as we try and we try to hire the best and, and we put people through that process, we're not always right. And it takes courage at some point to make those tough decisions to make sure we always have the right people um, in the business. And uh, I love what you said about uh, the message you give to your employees that kind of create a, a little bit more harmony within the business. Says, you know, we got enough to deal with out there with our our competitors and our subs and our suppliers that we don't need to fight with each other. Um, and and then the the advice you you shared for young people uh, to. Uh, follow their dreams and to be successful in life and, and just get your hands dirty, ask a lot of questions. Um, and that confidence comes from, from doing things. And, and I think that really makes a lot of sense. I think what, what you've done over these years to not only start, uh, this business and grow it corner organically to go through that period when uh, your husband left to bit the business to, uh, be able to, uh, Look at people who saw you for the first time and said, oh, you know, there's is this really a, a woman that owns this company? 
uh, and and you've been able to to establish that absolutely uh, I I'm I'm the owner I'm the president I run it um, just like anybody else would and and you've earned that along the way and I think you're a great example to other uh, women in business and just entrepreneurs in general so um, I really appreciate you you being on and and uh, being part of the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. I really this was fun. And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.